Thank you for tuning into this webinar, Innovation Steps Any Organization Can Put Into Action. This webinar is hosted by AGH University and presented by AGH Employer Solutions. AGH Employer Solutions is a team of professionals that helps employers, business owners, and human resource professionals hire, compensate, manage, engage, train, and retain one of their most critical resources, their talent. Today's speaker is Daniel White. Daniel assists organizations with their organizational development needs, including strategic and operational planning, leadership development, and employee engagement efforts. He's worked with a wide range of industries, including construction, healthcare, manufacturing, banking, not-for-profits, and government organizations. He's also worked internationally as an organizational development consultant, serving organizations in Bolivia, Guatemala, and Ghana. Prior to advising organizations, Daniel worked in not-for-profit leadership and operations, directing projects with clients such as the U.S. Department of State and the United Nations Population fun. He's been published in Fast Company in several academic journals and has presented at a number of national conferences. Daniel's a certified facilitator of appreciation at work and of the Hayes Group's emotional and social competency inventory. COVID-19 has rapidly accelerated our already fast-changing world, so how can you keep up with innovation and think differently as you plan for the future of your organization? Whether your organization has been around for five years or a hundred, today's session will give you tools to think creatively about your strategy and future as an organization. Thanks for joining us today for this uh, session today, the first webinar of the year. Um, it, it's something that I had pitched to uh, Mike and to the other the team here at AGH, because I feel like with COVID uh, and everything that's gone on in the last year, really there's uh, this is more important now than ever to think about how can we, as organizations, become innovative, think differently, because the world around us is, is rapidly changing. So I'll get into more of that here in a little bit. But uh, really excited to share with you today a couple tools that I think are going to be really useful. And uh, I've focused things on kind of an existing organization and how does an existing company or nonprofit uh, become more innovative and use some tools that have been developed in the startup world. But if you are just a startup, then uh, these are very relevant to you as well. But I'm going to uh, share a little bit more context around how it might fit for you in an existing organization. So uh, let me get started here by sharing what we want to cover today, or what I want to cover today. Hopefully it's the same thing for you. Uh, so today's learning objectives. Today I want you, first of all, to learn to think differently about your business. So again, your organization, whether it's a business or nonprofit, uh, we've got to think differently in this new age that we have with a lot of changes. And so we've got to uh, learn to think differently about it, see it from a new perspective. Number two, want to help you understand some proven techniques for being creative and uh, innovating in your, in your business. And again, there's uh, things that have been tried in the startup world uh, that have also been successful in the uh, existing, uh, with existing companies. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, and we're going to practice then applying these tools to real-life situations. Again, it can be helpful to learn theoretical frameworks and different sort of things, but if it doesn't matter and it doesn't, you don't know how to apply it in the real world in your organization, then uh, it's not really helpful to you. So uh, I like to start out uh, thinking a little bit larger, uh, big picture, 30,000-foot view, and then we'll get into, by the end, some very tangible tools that you can use as you're applying this to your organization. So as we get started, I, I want to just start with a polling question. And I want to know from you, uh, what's your greatest need regarding innovation? 
Is it maybe figuring out how to avoid disruption in your industry? Is it finding the great next idea? Is it trying to improve things in your organization, maybe something different? Go ahead and participate here. And like Mike said, to get CPE or HRCI credit, you've got to participate in these polls. So uh, go ahead and participate, and then Mike's gonna come on and share with us the results. So uh, really I'm interested to hear from you on this because I can speak to one area above another depending on you know what people are really wanting to get out of this so we'll leave it open for another couple seconds here and then Mike you can come on and uh, share the results yeah sounds good I think you've got an energetic crowd because we already have over 90% of uh, the audience voted I'll leave it open here for about four more seconds since we've had so many people chime in but it seems like there's an overwhelming uh, opinion about what the audience would like to talk about we're gonna go ahead and close the first polling question Daniel, looks like we had about 61% said they'd like to try to improve things in their organization, and then in a pretty distant second was finding the next great idea to help us grow. So hopefully uh, today's session will help them out. Awesome. Thank you. That's that's very helpful for me uh, because these tools that I will teach you are really about how do you innovate internally. A lot of times people just think startup and innovation is what's the new crazy idea that I can bring in and that's going to bring in tons of money or be the next great thing. But really innovation is is even better, I would say, uh, at how to improve what you've got currently going that's working well for you. How do you do it better? So we'll get to that here in a second. But like I said, I want to start out with some context at a high level because even before COVID and 2020 and everything going on, things were just rapidly changing and everyone felt like innovation was really important, right? But even more so in the last year, I think people have realized, wow, this world is changing, changing at an ever increasing pace. And we gotta figure out how do we keep up with it in order to stay in business. And I, uh, you know, one example that people always like to, uh, to chime in on you know, is the blockbuster scenario. And uh, with Blockbuster, this this quote uh, just gets me every time. Uh, in 2008, the Blockbuster CEO said, quote, neither Redbox nor Netflix are even on the radar screen in terms of competition. And uh, a short two, three, four years later, uh, he was sorely wrong. And uh, there's now just one Blockbuster in Alaska that still is open, I think. Um, but beyond that, Redbox and Netflix completely obviously took them out of business. And so uh, if you think, you know, that Blockbuster's problem was that they just weren't aware of the competition or they weren't, uh, they didn't know kind of what would happen. Uh, really, their issue here was kind of a hubris, right, that they felt like they just had such a great foothold that these two startups had no chance of overcoming them um, and they were sorely wrong and so uh, you can go on and on to different companies of Sears, JCPenney's, all of these different companies that have been around Sears for you know over 100 years, uh, Kodak that was around at the top of their game that uh, no one would ever in their right mind at the time think that they would ever be disrupted right in here a lot of them are out of business. You even think about Kodak, who came up with the digital camera, but then sat on the technology. 
because it was too disruptive to their current business model and then it ended up um, uh, being opened up and other people obviously overtook them. So uh, in all of these cases, you know, it, just because you've been successful in the past doesn't mean that you're going to continue to be successful. So I think for all of us in existing businesses, this is a wake-up call for us to understand, hey, I know um, that I've been successful and we've got a great thing going, but we can't just rest on that past success. We've got to figure out how do we grow and improve in the future. So companies of the future have to be able to do four things. Um, first of all, they they have to be able to listen. In my perspective, you've got to be able to be in tune with the changing customer demand. So again, things are changing more and more quickly every time in, with COVID, that change was happening within even a month. Um, and so you've got to really understand what are customers wanting and needing? What's top of mind for them? And how can we continue to evolve and change in order to meet that need? Uh, which is the second piece, meeting the demand of customers by maximizing your current products and services. So like I talked about, we we don't just want to think about what's that new great idea that's going to be a, a home run, but how do we take what we've currently got, how do we make it even better, more efficient, and meet the needs of customers in new and different ways. Um, and number three, being nimble, being able to adjust quickly. If we understand that customers are changing in their desires and their needs, then we need to be able to turn the ship quickly to be able to uh, meet those needs, to change the way that we uh, service them, to, to add a new uh, product or service, whatever it might need to be, the term pivot, uh, you know, has gotten overused by some people, but really you've got to be able to be nimble to change as you need to. And number four, you've got to be able to create and develop new products and services. So I'm going to share with you here in a second uh, a framework, but it's not just good enough to continue to make your products and services better. You've got to continue to figure out how do we develop new and different products and services that can add to what we currently do so that we're not just sticking with what we've currently got. So I wanna go ahead and go to the second polling question here. And I want you to be honest, you know, which of these four areas does your organization struggle with the most in your opinion? Is it that listening? Is it meeting the demand? Is it being nimble? Is it creating new products and services? What is it that you feel like you don't do as well as you maybe should? And again, we'll keep this poll open here for a couple more seconds so that everyone can participate. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, just a reminder too, if you're seeking CPE or HR credit, uh, you need to answer at least three questions to get credit for today's session. We've got about 92 of you already in, so we'll leave this poll open for about five more seconds. So if you have not answered, you're in the very small minority, please go ahead and do so. Um, I'll be kind of curious to get Daniel's response to this answer, uh, these answers, because they're kind of equally spread across the board. I'm going to go ahead and close the poll. Uh, looks like we had 31 said create, 29% said nimble, and then there was an even split between listen and meet demand. So with that, I'll give it back to Daniel. Good. So yeah, I would I would probably expect in a lot of existing organizations that creating something new is probably your least. Uh, the thing you're not as good at, right? But also the ability to pivot and be nimble um, when you have a large organization that's been around for a long time that has 
established structure, processes, all of that sort of thing, it can get caught up in red tape and bureaucracy and be a little bit harder to change. So those two aren't surprising that those are maybe at the top. And hopefully you are uh, fairly in tune with your customers and able to meet their demands. So thanks for sharing those things. So I've got a lot of context here, right? I could spend a whole bunch more time about how the world is changing and how that's affecting things. Uh, but I do want to get into the process here so that we're narrowing down in our, our funnel to, to talk a little bit more about uh, what we can tangibly do to do this. And so uh, let's talk about how do we innovate? What's the process for doing that? And so when I think about this innovation, I often think about as creativity. And creativity, I like this quote, involves breaking out of the established patterns in order to look at things in a different way. And so innovation, creativity really is, if you're in an existing organization, it's getting a fresh pair of eyes. It's being able to look at what you do differently. It's, it's not assuming that you know what your customer wants. It's getting outside input. It's having diversity and a diverse uh, group of people that can provide you new and different perspectives, right? <clears throat> so all of those things are uh, about innovating and uh, having creativity to think about things in a different way. And so there's, again, we could spend a whole webinar just on that of how do you um, get more innovative? How do you get a, an innovative team? How do you become more creative? Um, but we can save that for later. If that's of interest, you know, feel free to reach out or put something in the quotes and, or in the chat and I'll see if I can share some additional input. But I wanna share this framework with you because I, I think it's really important and I've really loved it since I found it from Strategizer. Um, this idea that companies of the future have to be able to do two things well. They've got to be able to exploit and to explore. And so exploit, um, I don't like the word exactly. It has some negative connotations, but the the idea here, and they're going for alliteration, <laughs> exploit and then explore. But uh, first of all, it, companies have to be able to exploit their existing products and services. So what that means is We've got to take what we've currently got, and we've got to be able to make it better, more efficient, provide more value for customers, um, all of those sort of things is, let's just not be satisfied with what we've currently got, but how do we take what we've got that's already making us money, that's already been a success, and how do we make it even better, add new features, provide more value, think about new and different ways to provide it to the customer, make it more efficient on the back end, those things, uh, again, a lot of existing companies are fairly good at those sort of things, but companies of the future also have to be able to do the other piece, which is explore. They've got to be able to constantly thinking, be thinking about what's next. What is a new product or service that could meet a customer need or demand? Um, what are new markets that we could get into? You know, What's that next piece? Um, and if you, <clears throat> if you look at this, the little dots here are there for a purpose, and there's a reason that there's a whole bunch down in Explore and only a few in, in Exploit, because oftentimes you only have a handful of core business processes and uh, services and things that provide value that are bringing in a lot of money. And on the Explore side, you've got to, it's really a numbers game. You've got to have a lot of things you're exploring, because again, uh, 
if you've ever done some exploring in the past or uh, failed at things as a company, um, it's maybe one out of 10 that actually is a runaway success. And maybe you make your money back on three out of 10 or something like that, right? And so you've really got to figure out um, how do we explore a lot of different ideas and how do we do so in a way that can be um, have limited risk, limited investment, a smaller time frame, which we'll get to in a, a little bit. But how do we have explore a lot of ideas, but have it not cost too much money so that then we can have more things that hit that we can then move up into the exploit category. So again, existing companies have to be able to, in the future, to do both of these things well. And if you're only focusing on exploiting or you're, if you're only just writing your, your one good idea into off into the sunset, then uh, you're not going to be around for too long, right? You've got to at least exploit that and see how do we make it better. But we also have to have this idea of what's next. And we ha have to put energy and effort into this explore category too. And so Strategizer has this um, tool here where you can map out ideas. It uh, gets, again, a lot more in-depth that you can uh, utilize that tool if you'd like. But if you'd like, I can send you a link to that or send that to you. Um, just, again, uh, reach out to me or put something in the chat. So third polling question I want, um, is your organization better at exploring new ideas or exploiting existing products and services or neither? Um, interested, uh, uh, again, I probably have a guess, but uh, I want to know for sure, um, you know, what are you better at? Exploiting existing product services, exploring new ones, or maybe you don't do either of them. So go ahead and uh, vote, cast your, your vote, and then Mike will come on and share. Yeah, at the rate we're going, I might not have to do a whole lot of talking. We've already got 97% of the audience voted. I am curious, though, for those of you in the audience, have you seen the Exploit and Explore tool before? I know Daniel posted it up on social media uh, last week, so I'm just curious if anybody else has seen that. If you have, shoot us a message in the chat. Just kind of curious to see if uh, anybody saw Daniel's video on that. I think with that, I'll go ahead and share the results. And Daniel, I don't think you'll be too surprised. We've got 65% exploit, 24 explore, and then 12 isn't either. Okay, good. So yeah, again, not surprising because that's uh, what existing companies generally are good at and focus on. So what I want to now provide with you, uh, you know, as we think through this is, okay, how then can we get better at both of those things? Because it's really the same process that we're gonna explore, whether you wanna get better at exploiting your current uh, products and services or exploring new ones, it's going to be the same process. So we're going to think through this together and I'm going to show you uh, a good way just to, again, plot it out and to get better at both of those things. Okay, so what's the process then? Let me give you an overview and then we'll we'll go through and we'll apply this to a case study. Okay, so the first thing, and you don't have to necessarily start here, but I think this is a great starting place is to know your customer, okay? So the first thing that you can do here is, is get to know your customer better. And again, I, I've kind of stated it before, a lot of us think that we know our customers really well and 
we talk to them a lot. Uh, we we think that we understand where they're they're coming from. But I would challenge you to think and kind of question: Do you really know your customer, or are you making some assumptions? And have you really asked them some of these specific things, or are you just going on your gut of what you think they want or like? Um, and again, this tool from Strategizer I find really helpful to identify a, a specific customer segment. And so you, in your company, you might have multiple different customer segments, but in this case, you would identify one specific customer segment, and then you would think about, okay, what are their, their jobs on the right-hand side? What does this customer have to do? And not just, again, what relates to your service, but uh, what are the things that they've got to get done? So if my customer segment is um, suburban housewives in the Midwest or something like that, then think about, okay, well, what sort of things do they have to do? Or if, uh, if I'm business to business, you know, if I'm selling to uh, construction companies of a certain size, you know, what are the things that they do on a daily basis? And then think about what are the gains? What are the things that they uh, would love that would provide gain to them? Again, not specifically just related to your service, but what are things that they would really love to see or make them happy? And then also, what are the pains? What are the things that they really hate that are a pain in their neck that uh, they just hate or they try to avoid? And you can map out these things, and at a high level, you create different profiles to better understand what are our customers trying to do in general, what are the things that they would really love to see and what are the things that they really hate. Um, and so to do that, you can get to know your customers in a couple different ways. Uh, you could do customer interviews. So you could just go out to customers and your customers say, hey, I'd love to just pick your brain here from you a little bit and ask some really pointed questions about some of those things um, to get an insight into what are the things that they would really love to see, what are the things that they hate, what are the jobs and the things that they're constantly having to do and that they'd love to maybe not have to do. Um, you could also do customer surveys. So sometimes you might do a customer survey first and then follow up with some more in-depth customer interviews to get more color commentary from those customer surveys. Um, you can also do data mining. There's a whole bunch of different uh, subscriptions and databases that you can get to to understand customer behavior and what they actually buy, even, especially if you're looking at the digital realm and you can get into um, all the data that Facebook and Google and all the others have on you. Um, so you can do a lot from there. And you can also um, shadow your customer, which sounds a little weird, but um, oftentimes we find that if you just ask a customer what they would really like or really hate or what their day is like, um, you may get a little bit different answer than what's actually in reality. Because um, number one, they may just be blind to some things where if you go and shadow them and you see how much time they spend uh, doing this little administrative piece or that little piece, they may not really realize how much of that day that that's taking up that you can just as an external observer see right away. Um, you can also then see uh, behaviors and what we want to really understand are 
specific behaviors of what do our customers actually do rather than what do they say that they do. Because maybe it's just wishful thinking, maybe they want you to think something specifically, but oftentimes customers may say, uh, this, yeah, this is what I really would like, um, or this is what I really do, when that's what they like to think that they do or that like they think that they would like to do, but in actuality, uh, their behavior shows a different story. So again, as much as you can get to know their behavior and see that, the more that you can um, understand from them. So a lot of ways that you can, again, get to know your customer better, but again, don't just assume that you know things just because you talk with them a lot, right? How can you be intentional about getting to know them better? So that's the first piece. And then the second piece is once you get that and you understand them a little bit better, okay, then what are some things, that, how do we provide value to them? So first, obviously start with where are we at right now? What do we currently do that's providing value to them? And so what are the products and services that we offer that they buy from us, right? So you can list those out. What gain do those current products and services provide to our customers? Uh, makes their life easier because they don't have to call three people and we are a one-stop shop for them in this area. Or uh, what pain reliever uh, do we have? Well, we're able to get things in um, before their deadline so that they are, uh, as a contractor, a general contractor, maybe they, uh, we make sure that they get things done um, on time and we're never delaying them, okay? Whatever those things are, right, start to map out what are the, our current products and services and how do they provide gain or relieve the pain of our customer. And then after that, and as you've got to know your customer more, you're gonna start to have some ideas and generate some ideas for how, how could we improve our existing products and services? Well. When I talked to a so-and-so customer, he said that uh, this was a really big pain in his neck, and if we could just change the way that we deliver this service and provide it in this way, man, that would just be awesome for them, and that they would love that. They would pay us even more money if, if we could do that for them. So again, you're going to have some ideas that come out of knowing your customer better and tangibly going back to this mapping your um how your product and services actually provide gain to them, right? And you're gonna then have ideas probably too of how could we um, change and add new products and services. Well, this customer does this job right now and they hate doing it themselves. They would love to pay somebody to do this for them. So what if we started a service that did this for them and did it in this way, right? So you're understanding and finding ideas about how could we do this differently? What could we do different um, as we move forward? And you might also have some ideas for changes to the business model. Again, not just uh, new products or services, but maybe in the way that it's offered to them in the business model. And so a strategizer, this is what they started with, and this is what they were really well known for the, the business model canvas. Um, and you can map out here your business model for any specific case to, again, on the far right, your customer segments that you're identifying in the middle, the value propositions that you provide. And then there's all sorts of different things on here. Um, it can get a little bit complex. Um, and so we could do a whole nother webinar again, just on the business model canvas. 
but um, really what we're trying to do here is think about uh, what are some of these initial ideas that we can get traction on, and I'm going to give you a process to then test those out. But you can then do a deeper dive in thinking about different business models that you could utilize for this. So for instance, a uh, change to a business model might be, you know, Gillette uh, always just selling the razors, and then the one, the Dollar Shave Club came along and said, well, what if we changed the business model, made it a monthly fee, and people just get this thing sent to them in the mail. And yeah, it's not as fancy as Gillette. It doesn't have five blades, it has three, but that's good enough, and people will pay us because it's cheap enough and they don't have to go to the store and think about it, and it gives us a continuing revenue model. So again, there's lots of things that maybe you're offering the exact same end product, but just in a new or different way. Again, can go, go a lot more deeper into that, but at a high level, then the next step just after we've got all these ideas, we've got to identify some hypotheses. And so it's here that we're getting into essentially being um, scientists. And we're trying to think, how can we test things out? So we have to think about and say, okay, if this new product or service idea that we've got is going to be successful, what has to be true? And so you, we're going to list out a ton of different ideas or assumptions and things that are going to have to be true if this new product is going to be um, is going to be successful, right? So you might have ten different assumptions that you say, well, it's going to have to be able to be produced at the right cost point, and this uh, segment is going to have to change their buying habits, and we're going to have to be able to uh, invest X amount of money into it or whatever the different assumptions are. And then you've got to figure out what's the fastest, cheapest way that we can test this hypothesis. So in the old way of thinking, um, many businesses, the way that they would approach things would be, hey, uh, Joe, Bob, you've got this business idea. This sounds great. Uh, we think this new product has a lot of legs. Uh, let's, why don't you go away? Why don't you create a uh, business case for it? Why don't you develop a, uh, a business model and give us a, you know, 50 page uh, business plan for executing on this over the next two years, right? You, somebody, you've probably been exposed to that sort of thinking. So Joe Bob will go away. He'll think about what's the best way to do this. How could we create this in, in the, uh, and design it in the perfect way that's going to uh, meet customer demand? Uh, going to come back and say this business plan is going to take two years to complete. It's going to cost $100,000. And uh, this is the revenue model that we're going to see. And it's always like a hockey stick, right, where it starts off and whoop, goes on up. And, um, and, and so... Uh, management says, wow, that's great. That's a great presentation. Uh, that sounds great. Let's invest in it. And so go away, invest $100,000, two years, and um, then it turns out to be a flop. Well, the new, the startup idea here, and it comes from the lean startup, is how can we, instead of making all these assumptions and spending all this time and money, how can we test these things and chunk it out, break it into smaller pieces? so that we can get a minimum viable product. So how do we test these things? And instead of making 
the end product with all of the bells and whistles and things that we think are going to be awesome and customers are going to love, how do we test uh, little iterations along the way? How do we make something that's very stripped down, that's got just enough features to, to test and see if this is something that customers actually are going to want? Because again, we're being scientists here, and instead of assuming that we know what customers want and can design something and put together this huge thing, we're seeing how can we limit our investment as much as we can, how can we limit our risk, how can we shorten our time frame and just make a little something that's good enough that we know it's not going to get everything right, but we can do something and then we can learn from this. And so then we're going to use these test cards. You can use these and basically say, okay, what's your hypothesis? We believe that people are going to want XYZ. To verify that, we're, we will create a minimum viable product of this. And we're going to measure, uh, do this experiment, right, of um, maybe their, uh, how much their satisfaction score or something like that. And if we're right, then it will be at least at this level. And so we're setting up this test and we're setting up lots of different tests for lots of different assumptions that we've got, right? Because in order for this product to be successful, there's 10 different things that have to be true. And so instead of uh, figuring all those out and creating a two-year plan, we're just saying, well, let's test all of those 10 different things. And to do that, we've got to do these different tests, okay? So, so the idea here is this test mindset, and so it's a shifting of our mindset. And it's a shifting of creating this big business plan that's going to be awesome and great and shifting it to a testing idea and a testing that failure is okay. We've got to, again, uh, encourage experimentation because in the old mindset, um, failure is not okay because we invested two years and $100,000 in this thing. Um, but in the new mindset, our mindset is learning and experimentation. And so if we spend six weeks and $5,000 and prove that something is not going to work, then that's actually a win because we're saving a bunch of time and a bunch of money and we're able to invest in something else. And so failure in this mindset is it's good and it's okay because we're learning something and um, it's not a failure of the idea or the project. It's a failure of our assumptions and maybe we need to shift. So we'll get to that in a second. But how do you shift your mindset then? Um, again, I think you need to, to change and shift the way that you say things. Instead of calling them things failed projects or different things like that, change them and start to talk from a experimentation mindset, from testing. Great. I'm glad that we are able to get a definitive answer from that test and save money in the future, whatever that is, right? So change your language. Also, look at your reward system. Again, people and their behaviors uh, work towards what they're rewarded for. So if people are rewarded just for successful projects, um, revenue brought in the door, uh, different things, um, then you're going to get a lot of that behavior. So people are going to maybe try to hide their failures. They're going to try to do different things that um, undermine this mindset of experimentation and failing fast that term, right? Um, and so you got to look at your reward system and say, are we incentivizing the things that we actually want? 
and then you as leaders have to go first and to test out this mindset to change to an experimentation mindset and to say when things fail hey that's okay we limited our investment we learned something let's move on to the next thing if you as leaders are punishing people who are failing then you're really not going to ever shift your culture from a um a culture that tries to hide failure. So you've really got to, to change that. So again, you could go into a lot more detail on that, but you got to change your mindset and shift to an experimentation idea. You've also got to think about how do we fund these things. Um, this is a really crazy graph um, that takes, it's taken from federal agency spend um, for September fiscal for uh, September 2018. So it's a little bit old, but it's, it just happens every year, right? So week one of September, 8 billion is spent by federal agencies. Week two, 18 billion. Week three, 18 billion. Week four, 53 billion. Why it was $53 billion spent in one week by the federal government in September of 2018? Well, if you know federal agencies at all, that's because their fiscal year end is September 31st and so or 30th whatever however many days September has that's their fiscal year end and so um, they uh, spend all of the money the idea is managers know that if they don't spend all of the money in their budget then they're going to get their budget shrunk because they know that uh, obviously you didn't have to have all that money and so uh, we're going to take it away from you so this idea is that people are just gonna spend money in their budget even if they don't have to, right? So all of that $53 billion was probably not necessary and probably the vast majority was completely excess. So that's not great for us as taxpayers. And if you were running that company, I think you'd probably be upset. But in your company, if you have the same sort of mindset where it's a spend it or lose it mindset, you're probably having the same thing just on a smaller scale because people are going to find ways to spend money if they have it threatened from taking from them. So how do we do things differently, right? How do we think about this differently? Uh, so the idea, again, from a startup uh, focus is what's called metered funding. So the idea is you've got a very clear goal or milestone for your department, for your test, for your idea, and then you're given a specified amount to meet that goal or that milestone or that learning thing. And so you might say, okay, in this test, we're gonna spend six weeks and I'll give you $5,000 to test this idea or this assumption that we've got, okay? And then there's that's pretty much all that management has or ownership uh, has of oversight for that person. Then they're very hands-off and that person or department basically has six weeks and $5,000 to test this idea. And they know that unless that milestone is hit or the goals um, aren't met, then they're not going to get any more funding, right? So uh, it's a way of ownership, management, limiting risk and limiting investment and saying, well, this we're willing to invest this much and this much time in this idea, nothing more. 
but then it's also able to give freedom to those entrepreneurial people that want to have some freedom to figure things out and still meet that deadline. And so if they reach that goal, that deadline, they learn something or whatever that milestone is, then uh, great. Now we can take the next project and say, okay, well, how much time and money do we need for this? Or are we just closing up shop on this idea? But it's a way to limit your investment. And again, it's a way to have enough control, but to give people still enough space to be able to do what they need to do. Um, so think about metered funding um, and how that could be implemented in your organization. But then really after we do all these tests and everything, now we've got to learn. And so we have this learning card. And so we put, again, our hypothesis is we believed that X, Y, Z. And what we observed was this. We saw that um, customers uh, really did like this idea. And then you've got a rating of reliability. How reliable do we feel like this data is? Okay, great. Um, from that, we learned that XYZ customers really do uh, need this service. Therefore, we will do this next step, this next chunk, this next small piece to learn the next piece of it, right? And so, again, it's it's a systematic way of saying, okay, this is what we thought, this is what we actually observed, therefore, this is what we learned, and this is our next step, our next action. And so there's several actions that you can actually take place from there. Maybe number one, we need to retest the hypothesis. Maybe the data wasn't clear enough, it wasn't reliable enough, and so we need to retest it and do it a little bit differently. Maybe number two, we just need to shelve that idea because um, it's very clear from the experiment that this is not going in the right way. This is not what is needed. And so again, that's a win because we're limiting our time and our investment in, in, into that idea. Number three, maybe we need to persevere with that idea that, uh, yeah, this sounds really great. People seem to need it. And so we're going to go on to this next step of proving it out. Or maybe fourth, we need to pivot to something different. Maybe we learned that they don't want this exact thing. They really want this thing that's just a little bit different, but we're able to then adjust it rather than making the assumptions that we know what somebody wants here in the end product. So there's a lot of different ways it could go, but then it goes into the cycle. We build something, we measure it, we learn from that, we then uh, do another test and build something else. We measure that, we learn. And so it's this constant feedback loop and cycle that's really doing it right and constantly exploring and exploiting. You're never really going to end because you're constantly thinking, how could we improve this existing service? What are new products or services that we could have? And so you, then you have a uh, way to test and log these things so that you can understand as you go on, what did we learn? Okay, and what's next? What do we next? What do we do next? So uh, there's a template here. If you want, put it in the chat or contact me and I can send that to you um, just to be able to log those things as you go. So that's really the overall process. Again, kind of long in the way that I explained it, but it's pretty simple at its core. Get to know your customer, know what your value proposition is, generate ideas with how you could add more value to your customer, identify what your hypotheses are for a specific idea, and then test all of those. So you're gonna have a lot of tests 
then you learn from those things, you make decisions, you repeat it, you track it, and you continue on as you learn and grow. So the idea again is a um, rapid prototyping, a step-by-step uh, -step process where you're making steps along the way rather than saying we're going from A to Z, we're going to A to B, and then we're figuring out where we go after B. So that's the, the whole process. So um, as a polling question, before we get to a case study, I want to know from you, which part of the process do you feel like you don't do as well? Um, maybe knowing your customer, knowing your value proposition, generating ideas, identifying hypotheses, testing those, you know, what part is missing from what you do right now? Just a reminder to everyone, uh, three polling questions to get credit, uh, either CPE or HR credit for today's session. Uh, we do have quite a few answers coming in quickly again. Um, we'll give you guys about five or 10 more seconds to get your answers in. Looks like it's pretty spread across two main categories right now. We'll see if any of the remaining votes coming in kind of change that. I think we'll give you guys about three more seconds here and then I'll go ahead and close the polling question and hand it back to Daniel. All right, Daniel, looks like we had 39% said generate ideas is what they do not so well. 30% uh, testing out their hypotheses then an even split between the other two. Interestingly, everybody seems to know their customer pretty well. All right. Well, thank you. Um, good. Good to know. Yeah, a lot of times um, generating ideas is um, difficult, and it's hard to know how to do that. So again, can get into that a little bit more if we need to. But um, it's really where I find people can add the most value is in identifying hypotheses, testing them, and that can really provide a lot of value to your organization. And then um, ideas will will come from those things. So anyway, let's let's get into a case study again. I want to apply this to real world. And so um, we're going to talk about Acme Manufacturing, which is a made-up company. I'm going to jump in real quick, Daniel. Yeah, I think ahead. we have the polling question slide, so I'll just bear with me real quick here. Sure. And then if you would, can you go ahead and reshare your screen again? Awesome, we're good to go. Okay. Thanks, sorry about that. No, no worries. Okay, so Acme Manufacturing, let's just say that they um, manufacture purse masks and stuff. So um, then let's talk about Acme and how could they uh, get better. So let's say it's current year 2021. Uh, there's this continuing worldwide pandemic. We think masks are gonna continue to be a need for the foreseeable future. Okay, so let's know our customer. Let's think about our customer. Well. Customer jobs, when we just think at a high level, is not getting COVID. That's what they care about and are trying to do with our product and service. And so the things that are uh, ha they would like to see in masks, you know, something that's obviously safe, something that's comfortable, something that's cheap, uh, the pains that they hate that maybe you guys have seen, glasses fogging up, you can't see other people's faces, you've got to wear it all day for some people. Okay, so... We know our customer and some of those key high-level gains and pains. And then our current value proposition, right, are those uh, throwaway masks. And so the gain creators that they're cheap and they're relatively safe, right? They're not the N95 masks, but they're safe enough. 
And um, the pain reliever here, right, is that people don't get COVID. So that's uh, really what our current value proposition is. So let's generate some ideas. Well, here's an idea. What if we could, going back to that gain, what if we could make some really comfortable masks? things that people who have to wear them all day could really love wearing, okay? So that's just, again, one idea. So let's run with this idea and think about, okay, how do we test this? Um, so we'll start by identifying our hypotheses. What has to be true in order for this to be successful? Well, first of all, the masks have to actually be comfortable if people are going to wear them. So that's got to be a true value proposition. The material still has to be safe, right? If people are wearing masks to be safe, it still has to be safe. Um, we assume here that people are gonna pay more for a very comfortable mask. So our value proposition for our normal masks is that they're cheap, but we assume that, okay, people are going to actually pay us more money if we can provide them a very comfortable mask. And fourth, we gotta feel like um, the mask is gonna look good too, right? People aren't just gonna go around with a pillow strapped to their face or something. I don't. So all of these things have to be true, and there's a whole bunch of other things probably that we could identify that would make this look true uh, or be true. So now we have to figure out how do we test these things. What's the cheapest, fastest way that we can test this hypothesis? So let's take these, you know, one by one. So again, we're not trying to test all four at once. We're testing the first one, and we say. Okay, the hypothesis is that the new masks are comfortable. So how can we test that in a cheap way? Well, we're gonna create 25 prototype masks out of this material. We're gonna have 25 retail workers wear that mask for their shift, and then we're gonna interview them for the feedback, okay? So the test card then looks like this. We believe that the masks will be comfortable. To verify that, we're gonna have 25 prototype masks, and we're gonna measure the satisfaction of the retail workers. And then if we're right, we're gonna have a net promoter score of 50 plus. So again, we're setting out the criteria beforehand of what do we feel like is good enough for people to feel like it's comfortable enough. So if they're really excited about it, then we're gonna have, this is gonna be the bar. So we set that up front and then we say, okay, in metered funding, well, it's gonna cost 250 bucks to create the masks. It's gonna be 500 bucks for gift cards for our participants. So we're gonna cost 750 and it's gonna take us one week to do this. And so, uh, great, we get approval for 750 bucks in one week. And so then uh, we do our tests and the learning is this. We believe they'd be comfortable. We observed a net promoter score of 65, which is above our bar of 50. So from that, we learned that the masks are comfortable. Therefore, we're gonna use this mask material as we move forward. Right, uh, so then we are going to repeat it. So we did that first test. Okay, so now we're going to test another one. Well, the, we're gonna test that it's gonna actually look good. So we're gonna take three different masks designs, create prototypes with this new material, take pictures of three designs, and then do an online survey for the, the targeted customer, have them vote. So. Again, put it out on a test card, and we want to rate that net promoter score again. And so it's gonna cost us 500 bucks to design and construct those. 
250 bucks to set up the survey and a thousand bucks for incentives and then two weeks so now we're at 1750 investment in this in two weeks and from this we learned that design two got a net promoter score of 54 and the others were below our bar so we learned that designs two looks best and we're going to use that one moving forward so then we keep repeating and tracking so now then we've probably got some additional hypotheses that have come up in people's minds well uh, we still have to test that people will pay more for them we got to understand do people want multiple colors and designs maybe we assume that um, but do maybe we test do they actually want all of that stuff and we have to test too that people are going to actually buy masks this far into the pandemic maybe we're so far and people see the light at the end of the tunnel that they're not actually going to buy anything more so even though we might have a really great product people aren't going to buy it anymore so again we got to go and test all of these new things and whatever else comes up as we learn uh, we could also you know look at the business model and look at how uh, this might play out and are we going to sell directly to retailers and hospitals are we going to sell to medical staff are we going to sell via the web via stores business to business is this a one-time purchase or do we make it a monthly subscription fee that we send them a new mask once a month or however many right there's a lot of ways to think about even though it's the same product that we're selling we could go about it in a lot of different ways so again that's a case study of how we could uh, take some of those ideas and apply it as we move forward and try to create new products and, and services so hopefully that's been helpful. Um, just in summary here, you know, uh, we as organizations have to be able to both exploit and explore new ideas and exploit those existing ones. And it's the same process to do both, to know your customer, know your value proposition, generate ideas, identify different hypotheses, test all of those different ones, make decisions, and keep on going. So. Uh, there's a lot of resources out there. Uh, what I tried to do in this webinar was to take the best of what I've gleaned from all of these different books, make it into a little bit more simple, stripped-down approach. But by all means, go read those. There's a whole bunch more that you can get into. And if you'd like to talk to me more about it more in depth or how this specific thing looks like, feel free to reach out to me about that. But as we end, I do want you to think about What's one action that you're going to take to go away um, to innovate in your organization? So what's one thing you're going to go away and do differently or one person you're going to talk to or one step or the whole process that you're going to implement? But what are you actually going to do and take away from today? So um, as you think about that and maybe write something down, I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to Mike, who's going to take care of some um just housekeeping things and then if we have time i can stick around for a, little, a few questions at the end if we need to so mike that sounds good thank you daniel i'd like to thank daniel for taking time to present today for those of you in the audience seeking hr credit depending on what credit you need you'll visit the appropriate website log today's date along with the respective program id or activity number to get credit for today's presentation 
and I forgot to put those numbers up there. So we'll send those out to everybody who needs that information. Um, I'll send a follow-up email. I apologize about that. thought we had them in there, but I forgot to drop in the numbers. So um, with that, we'll go ahead and jump to the next slide. I'd like to thank Daniel for taking time to present today. If anyone has questions, feel free to submit those now. If you'd like to talk directly with Daniel by phone or in person, you can send us that, send us that request along with your question. Once the webinar closes, an evaluation will pop up on your screen. We, if you could, take a minute, complete that evaluation, and help us improve our webinar so that they're better for you. If you have any questions unrelated to webinar content, feel free to contact me by email using the information on the slide. Again, all qualified attendees will receive a CP certificate after the, uh, via email after the webinar. We encourage you to run over to aghuniversity.com, check out our on-demand section to see if there's uh, other webinars out there that might be applicable to your situation. If you'd like to be notified once a month via email about upcoming webinars or just get invites anytime we add a new webinar to the schedule, you can sign up for that at aghlc.com email. Daniel's going to stick around. We did have a few questions come in. He'll answer those. Again, we'd like to thank you for taking time to join us today. Hope you'll be back with us for future webinars. This does end the formal portion of today's uh, telecast. So Daniel had two questions come in so far. First one was, with the four areas of companies of the future, which area should we focus on improving first? Uh, good question. I think, to me, I think uh, the listening piece um, is really important because again I, I think we all think that we know our customers really well and probably do to some degree but I think the more that we can ask proactive questions of them uh, the more that we're going to learn and then that's going to just springboard ideas and other things that you can actually run with from there uh, so really being uh, proactive about listening to your clients and asking them as well as uh, not to mention that that's just going to give you more trust and they're going to uh, just probably feel closer to you to that you even asked uh, thought to ask the question right that's going to give you some um, better uh, trust there with them so that's where i'd start and then i think that can springboard into a lot of the different areas Gotcha. I thought it was interesting that polling question. Everybody felt like they didn't have any issues listening to their customers. And I'm kind of curious if the CEO of Blockbuster thought the same thing before Netflix came along. So yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a good area to look at as well. Um, the other question that we had come in, what would you suggest for improving our ability to generate new ideas? Uh, yeah, like I said, that could be a whole nother webinar. Um, uh, I actually, I should have put it on uh, the resources, but there's a good book that just came out by Beth Comstock called Imagine It Forward. Um, it's her story. She was at GE and at NBC and is on the board of Nike. Um, and she is not naturally, I wasn't naturally an innovative sort of person, but she has a lot of good tips from that, or she's got some good talks on it too. Um, one of the things that she recommends is what's called mental grazing, um, which is essentially taking a notebook and um, going to a new place. So again, creativity, right, is seeing things from a new perspective. And so if you're able to put yourself in a new situation where you have to see things from a new way because maybe you're in a foreign place Maybe you are in a part of town that you never go to. Maybe you drove a different way to work. Um, all of those things are forcing you to look at the world in a different perspective, from a different perspective. And uh, she then recommends 
having a notebook that you just, when you notice something that's different or new or interesting, you write that down. <clears throat> or as you read things or, you know, really being curious about things and reading things and exposing yourself to different viewpoints or different people you might not normally read from or all of those different things are going to help you see things from a new perspective. And then as you write things down, you can start to see some patterns and themes. And as you see, again, maybe one thing is interesting, two things that show kind of a pattern are maybe you're starting to get somewhere, but once you see three things, it's kind of the rule of threes. Now it's starting to be a trend. And now you've got to sit up and listen because that's something that uh, it's coming down the pipe that you've got to maybe uh, adjust or see how does this influence me and my business. So that's just one way, but it's a lot of it has to do with how do you, um, for yourself, see things from a new perspective, but also I'd say from a team, I'm talking probably too long on this, but it's important from your team, you've got to have a diverse team. Um, so diversity, equity, and inclusion is really important in innovation because if everyone that's on our team has the same educational background, is the same race, the same religion, the same age, uh, that's been at the, worked at the same companies, you're not going to get a lot of ideas. But if you have people, and diversity isn't just ethnic or race or gender, right? But it's um, your past history, it's your education, it's your experience, it's your personality type. I mean, all of those things, the more diverse of a team you have, the more difficult it can be sometimes because you butt heads, but that's really helpful, important things because you're going to bring new ideas. Um, there's a great article I'll have to send it out to on um, the guy who created uh, free, the Flaming Hot Cheetos. He was just a uh, Hispanic janitor at uh, the Frito-Lay uh, factory in California that had an idea. Somebody actually listened to him and now... Uh, He's like an executive, and uh, it's it's a huge success, obviously. So 